You are now listening to The Oliver Manley Show. Hey everyone, thanks for tuning in. I am your host, Oliver Manalis, and you are listening to The Oliver Manalis Show. This is where we get to hear from entrepreneurs, leaders, and high performers and uncover the actionable insights you and I can use to lead powerful lives. Today, my guest is The Corner Man, Dr. Jeff Spencer. Dr. Jeff Spencer is someone who I was lucky enough to meet and cross paths with on a bus ride to a mountain biking excursion. And little did I know that he was, he is a former Olympian, a cyclist for that matter. And I was literally blown away by the conversation. He was very, very deep in his insight, in his observations. And he's one of those people where you feel like just spending time with him and hearing his stories, you start to see completely new possibilities in the matrix, so to speak. So I'm really excited about sharing this episode, this interview that I had with him. If you don't know Jeff, Jeff is someone who wants you to win big. He has over several decades in the high performance world as an Olympian and cornerman to champions and has evolved a repeatable blueprint for anyone to get what they want. His goal is to share with you his step-by-step proprietary process that has created Olympic gold medalists, world champions, and has helped celebrities, business, and political leaders to accomplish their goals consistently and predictably. In this episode, we dive into a great many things. We talk about the impact of self-care in your day, the champion's nature versus human nature. That's a very important distinction. The value of doing the most difficult task first, distinguishing between goal setting and goal achievement, the importance of seeing the path forward, and so much more. So before we get into the actual interview, just wanted to share with you that each week, I am here to support people in accessing new possibilities for their lives, relationships, and businesses. So if you'd like to experience a powerful coaching conversation and see what's possible for you, head over to olivermanalise.com for more information. As well, if you get value from the show, please head over to iTunes, give us a five-star rating, and write us a review. Your support is so, so appreciated and helps us spread the word. Without further ado, let's all give it up to the corner man, Dr. Jeff Spencer. Jeff, it's such an honor to have you on the show. Well, it's my pleasure. I We met on a bus ride, and it was, now that I remember it, it's, a, it's kind of a random bus ride because we were at this event where you switched what your activity was going to be for the day. So it was kind of a chance encounter for us to be sitting near each other that day. Well, you know, some... My experience tells me some of the best things are always unanticipated. And I was actually outside um, uh, getting ready to leave on the, where I was assigned. And uh, the host of the event said, you know what? Go with these guys, meaning you. And I felt I was much better suited to that. So there was some divine providence that uh, took charge of that, which I'm eternally grateful to, by the way. Yeah, me too. Because I'm really, really, I was really impacted by the conversation that we had. And it was one of the more meaningful experiences during that week for me in terms of just me being able, me remembering it and actually having uh, almost like a physical sensation from just your, just your presence. And you have a great way of, of sharing of yourself, very generous, very kind. And, and there's so much density in your wisdom, which um, I'm, I'm just, I just nat- naturally gravitate towards it so us doing this together is is truly i'm I'm so excited about it me too so 
Um, give us a little snapshot about what your life is like. What's a, what's a day in your life like? Because you are the corner man. You are the champion's blueprint. You work with some incredibly high-profile people to be the best, uh, best of the best that they could be. It would be really interesting to kind of gaze into what is your day like? How do you spend your time? I get up really early. Just that's where my biorhythms are set. And I'm most productive early morning. I'm up early. Uh, today it was 4 a.m. actually. Um, and it begins uh, with, uh, you know, like a hot beverage water with some uh, turmeric, uh, ginger, lemon, a little bit of stevia. I take a mouthful of uh, uh, proteolytic enzymes and some other, you know, goodies that help set the tone for the day. And then I march out and I do uh, some morning prayer and uh, ritual to greet the day and uh, mm. confirm that I'm ready, willing, and able to show up and be of service. And you know, I ask for guidance and direction and language and purpose. And then I dig in, are there any emergencies that I need to deal with with clients that are all over the world? Just because of the time zones, I always need to make sure that I'm available. And then I dig into things that... Uh, or the most difficult things I always tackle first because that's when I'm the freshest and I can get things done before the uh, phone starts ringing at eight o'clock and which is all of four hours uh, head start on that. And I uh, will uh, have some amino acids and uh, maybe a little a couple almonds and then I'll do a green shake, which I every day I you know, do up a couple of shakes for myself that are my own concoction. They're always different. And, that's like my breakfast, and uh, I have my uh, cornerman uh, advisory calls sprinkled throughout the, the day, and uh, then I'm working on projects outside of those calls continuously as well, and I usually start to uh, soften up with my creativity uh, early afternoon, and I'll usually go for a bike ride then for you know an hour or two, and I think a lot when I ride my bike. Um, on days I feel good, I ride hard and fast. On days I don't feel so good, I ride maybe long and slow. And I built a little platform between the brake uh, levers on my handlebars where I put notes and things like that. And I'm thinking about things. I'm problem solving. So I'm kind of multitasking. And then I come back and, you know, maybe I'll take a nap or do a, a repair meditation for 20 minutes in the afternoon. And then I get round two going. And um, I usually spend some time in the yard, you know, supporting my wife doing some things and then we'll have a modest dinner and uh, mm. may go out check on a few more things and i usually go to sleep early i always give myself to shut down the pituitary and uh, wind my biology down with some qigong later in the day and, uh, towards night and, and i kind of think about where i finished up and you know where i start the next day and uh, that's kind of the basic template that uh, my life follows that I, I appreciate how granular the description is for you, and it sounds so uh, methodical. And also, like pe people talk about having their ideal day, what you described sounds like a very ideal day. It, it actually is. It's, it's a wish list that I actually have the luxury of um, living yeah. and breathing each and every day. Yeah, yeah, and, and uh, before eight o'clock, I really, I really want to hit home on that so you're you're getting your most important things done before eight in the morning it's, it's actually the hardest it may not be the most okay. important yeah it's like really i always tackle the hardest stuff first um 
when I'm the most alert, where I have the most creativity, the interruptions are at a minimum. And I always get this done first. You know, I feel that if you go after the most difficult stuff first, then on the other side of it, then you've got some calm waters. But if you delay the hard stuff till later, then you're only going to be thinking about the hard stuff before that. So you might as well get it over with. And it just works out really well for me. I'm, you know, really aggressive about what I do in terms of my pacing and my attention to detail. So it just works better for me. Yeah. Love it. What would you say you're most excited about right now in your business and your career and your, in your life? It always goes back to a couple things. I, I, I judge my success as a human. I was just sharing this with someone earlier today, whether if I show up and I'm receptive to my calling as an individual then it's been a successful day for me. I, I'm not terribly ambitious about uh, having goals that are just solely self-driven. I feel like my goals are, I'm very ambitious about achieving and manifesting the goals that are revealed to me that I should pursue. And I feel like it's a privilege and an honor and it's an obligation to be able to uh, do that. So my yardstick is a little bit different than some kind of goal setting traditional models. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, when, when it comes to the work that you're doing, so I, I want to get to some, so you have a lot of things that you're excited about and you're, you're working on the more difficult, more challenging, perhaps also the highest impact tasks in the day. What, what, what kind of challenges are you, are you faced with right now? Do you have any, do you have obstacles? Well, it's, a lot, have... It's, a lot, it's a lot whirling around right now. In my personal life, my daughter just graduated from high school. <clears throat> she's We adopted her eight years ago from Columbia at the age of 10. And she's now in Columbia playing soccer. And she'll be back and going to work over the summer as she works with the junior college soccer team that she'll be enrolling in like for next year. That's a transitional element. Um, I'm just finishing up a project I've been working on for a couple of years now as we speak, which has been uh, certainly a, a large commitment to complete, and that's coming now to uh, completion as far as the creation of it. Now the marketing and uh, putting it out there into the public domain is underway as well, and uh, you know, fitness is good. So it's convergence right now. There's also a kind of an influx of uh, – uh, commitments that I have uh, working with the people that I advise and you know that there are moments of extraordinary intensity surrounding that just because of the high uh, stakes game mm -hmm. that we're working with. So though there are some in that bucket like right now as well. And, you know, I run it, as you said, I have bring a high level of compressed intensity to my life, which I do. It's like, I know that I, that's you. And it works well for me. I can, I can multitask very efficiently and keep track and manage my time and effort just uh, pretty darn well, actually. And you've been doing it for such a long time. I mean, 40 years in such a high performance, high stakes type of situations. So you've probably seen a lot and you, you can predict a lot. You can foresee a lot. Uh, are there still times where you feel like you like you have a breakdown where... You, you, were there self-doubt or anything like that? Are there points in those projects where you ever question yourself, or is that something that's just far in the past now? I, I, I don't question the appropriateness of the pursuit at all yeah. because I don't I don't take my 
cues and select what I do uh, from any other source than that. I don't know how to explain it, but, you know, things are uh, appear for me that I know when something appears and there, I have a certain response to it that I'm kind of called to it. And if mm. I know that I'm called to it, I have absolutely no reservation. I'm fearless about engaging it and implementing it. I don't even need to know all the mechanics of how it will unfold over time. Um, so it, that never occurs to me uh, that it's – I don't have self-doubt. I may need technical advice on certain things that are outside my domain mm. for sure, and I find those resources to help me. With doubt, but you know, because of my background, uh, I've really been in the high performance world for 55 years as a participant. That's and training. Uh, yeah, it's like not a lot that I haven't seen. And you know, because I was an Olympian, I, I have a certain, I understand the stakes of decision making, and I know the impact of decisions now on tomorrow. So I do pretty much carry a crystal ball for myself and for other people about how the path should be engaged to. Mm continue with uh, building momentum and progress towards goal achievement, et cetera. So again, I don't really have a lot of self doubts at this point in my life. So you talk a lot about um, the human nature, distinguishing it from the champion's nature. Uh, and it sounds like you're kind of, you've trained yourself to be more in the latter. And so I'm curious as somebody who's listening to this, who's maybe in the midst of a, you know, tapping into their greatness, tapping into their gifts, what kind of challenges could we expect trying to transition, trying to train ourselves to notice when are we reacting from a survival fear base and, and how do we get into that, that championship mindset? Well, I think let's first define what those are. Uh, yeah, all, yeah, absolutely. You know, human nature is so incredibly predictable. Um, if I talk with someone for two minutes, I can tell where they're headed just because the language and their decision-making tells me that there's a certain momentum that has a certain trajectory that will end in a fairly predictable place. They may not know that. And mm. uh, human nature is uh, very readable. It takes a while to understand its code, but I'm pretty good at that. And uh, I do know that just from a biological standpoint that we do have a survival instinct, a protective mechanism that, we could call human nature that is purely designed for one thing. That's survival. Yeah. And uh, survival is important. We need high speed reflexes that will uh, prompt us to do things almost sometimes faster than we can think. I think everybody's had that experience. Like, why did I say that? Why did I do that? Well, there was something purposeful about whatever you did that happened faster than you could intervene and prevent it from happening. And our human nature is like that. And it should be because the difference between life and death in certain situations is an instant where we don't really have time to think about it. Mm. And uh, that's part of our biology. I'm glad that I've got it because it is an important thing to have. But when we uh, react and engage life through our impulses, it's not a recipe for long-term excellence. Uh, that's purely the domain of the champion's nature. We don't talk a lot about that, but you know, I've, why do I know that it's there? Well, I've never met a person that could wait to get up and fail. I've never met a person that was comfortable with a life of failure and underachievement 
you know, there is something within us that does want to make a difference and does want to uh, manifest a quality of life of value and a life of contribution. And that's, to me, perhaps even stronger desire than our fear-based survival instinct. But the survival instinct gets first dibs at every bit of information. And so we do have to understand the language of greatness and understand the language of excellence and learn how to apply those tenets and those principles that reflect that. For example, um, human nature, given an opportunity, would say, well, what do I stand to lose here? And that, that's typical because it's fear-based. It's a typical human nature response to it. But the champion's nature is, well, what is it that I stand to gain here? One's pessimistic, mm. one's optimistic. And quite honestly, reflexly, we have more confidence in our ability to fail than we do in our ability to succeed, is my observation. Yeah. And so that's an example of a human versus champion's nature response to life. And we, those people that are uh, successful and balanced and live a life of harmony and contribution and personal value uh, and that are long-term consistent producers of appropriate goals – have really learned to respond from the champion's perspective. And it's not just mindset, thinking big, mantras, positive thinking. Yeah, All of those are valuable, but it's really uh, what are our action responses to life as life unfolds moment to moment? That's the real measure of you know who we really are. And mm. I've just found that there is another side that needs to be uh, learned and applied to be maintained, yeah. that is a path to excellence that our human nature instincts cannot provide. So when it, when it comes to when it comes down to it, I mean, what I'm hearing is it's very reactionary when it comes to the human nature. Yeah, but the cha- but the champion responds like they're responsible. They have a, they make a choice. Well, a reaction it's a, is not really kind of not really a choice. It's kind of a past-based choice, or a... well, we should. I think it would be probably more accurate to say that our human nature is impulsively driven, Impulse. meaning that it's us that we can think. Whereas the uh, champion's uh. nature has to be learned and applied. And once it's learned and applied, and it becomes part of our fabric, it's perpetuated through its application. That's really a trained or learned response. Mm. Like we have this, then we respond like that, but it takes a while to develop that skill. So but we should, we should be as fast with our champion responses as we are with our human nature, but we just have to supersede it. Just look at human nature as like a computer program that's open on the desktop that you can't shut off. It's always there. Yeah. And our human nature will control our life decisions for sure. Unless we put something in front of it, that so we can't get rid of it, Jeff. No, sorry. Everybody's, you know, that's no pill example. for that. No, it's, it's about us. It's about us showing up and yeah. being mindful of how we want to engage life. And it never becomes self-perpetuating. It's something that has to be applied to be maintained. So the, the life that you live right now, it's, it seems very deliberate and there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of power and inspiration there. But I could only imagine that that is not your history. That is not, I mean, there, there must be something in your story that caused you to choose, to choose this type of path. And 
maybe there's something there in terms of wounds or or traumas or or anything like that but i I would love to hear if what what maybe primary motivations you had uh maybe as a youth or or whenever it was that kind of had you choose this path because this is like top one percent stuff this is not this is not a normal thing I guess it is for me because I don't know anything different. But yes, don't so, so say that. No, I, I think the path chose me. I didn't choose it. I I chose to show up and accept it, and engage it, which I didn't really have a choice in either, just because of my personality or just mm. the way I'm, I'm put together. So, you know, I didn't ask for it. It was kind of given to me. But because of my, uh, I've never done anything to prove other people wrong. I know that's a motivation some people use. I've never been like that. You know, yeah. my motivation has always been I it's in my DNA to explore what's possible that's the only reason I've done anything is to explore what's possible and to take it as far as it can go but not for self-serving reasons but to really honor the privilege of it and um, the crafting of this uh, was uh, unique Uh, my father was uh, uh, an artistic uh, design genius uh, they could command any price for his work. He was the man. Uh, the last time I saw him when I was 13, and uh, he died homeless on the streets of New York City, I found out 30 years later. And so, you know, that was a difficult period in in one sense uh, when I no longer saw him, but he was not really active in my life to begin with anyhow. I sort of felt like my parenting was from the street, but from the benevolent, Uh, side of the street Mm -hmm. and I had really good mentors uh, growing up um, that helped me in cycling become an Olympian they helped me with my artwork I met my first um, full-blown cornerman mentor who was a true renaissance man when I was 18 and he was 76 so there was a wow interesting um, life span gap there but I had the capacity to absorb my work with him and I apprenticed to him in the art glass world. One of the things that he did, he developed a new form of art glass sculpture and he chose me to be his apprentice to help him create his masterpieces. And the most important part of that was, is of course, what I learned from the creative process. But what would happen at lunchtime, I had a $20 a month scholarship from him that was gifted to him by some people that uh, wanted to support my work with him. And, so at lunch, um, we would listen to classical music. He would like read to me the poets and the great philosophers, Descartes, Blaise Pascal. Um, so he filled me with that, but I had the capacity to absorb it and embrace it. So even though I was a very physical kid and I was training for the Olympics at the time and enrolled in the university, mm. I had this capacity to uh, absorb that nuanced side of life along with jumping in the ring as the ultimate warrior and gladiator training for the Olympics. So it was a very unique composite. And in my healthcare training, I had the exposure to some of the most brilliant minds and spirits. Uh, In my athletic career, it was exactly the same thing. So I had this amazing pool of mentors that shared with me all their secrets on how they became iconic. And uh, I embraced those, and I wondered, and I had a great deal of curiosity and was driven by the exploration of life's 
possibilities. So um, in a certain sense, yeah, maybe I didn't have the normal dinners with family that most people had, but mm-hmm. I, had, I didn't know any difference. So it didn't occur to me that there, there was anything different than that. So, But I did have this uh, hyper-intensity, full-spectrum exposure to some extraordinary human beings in such an amazing, diverse um, set of disciplines that I had the ability to absorb that just created a different lens that I look at life through because of those experiences and explorations that I had with that. And I've always have never felt that I couldn't do something, but I am not trained in high risk personal behavior. That's not what I do. Again, my, my, I'm a very simple person. If I get the calling, I show up and I play all in. So, so many people have played a role yeah. in shaping your journey. Absolutely. Yeah. That's one thing that um, I, I really get from you because there's, there's so many people who are looking to tap into whatever it is inside of them that they feel like might be their, their life's purpose, their, their, their mission. And the hardest thing to do is to ask for help. I think, you know, for some idea. people. Yeah, no, I, I think that that's true. People do feel like I should, if I have my stuff together, I should be able to do this by myself. I, I think that's a human that's a human nature assumption. Yes. And, and I don't think anything could be farther from the truth. It's like no one wins alone. Nobody knows enough to do it uh, well enough to be able to manifest their level of potential. That's just another human myth completely. I think also the idea of purpose, I don't think maybe you necessarily have a single purpose. I think maybe you have multiple purposes throughout a lifetime. And I think what's important is that you explore that which is in front of you that you have gravity with. And you don't wait for the perfect calling. I'm not sure there is. I mean, every decade there's a different way that we look at life through. And I just feel like that postpones and stalls. And the process of action and engagement uh, honors life in a way that life will present options according to our level of competency and our development as a, as a human. I just feel people wait too long to feel like it has to be one thing because they, I just talked with someone today. They said, well, I don't know my wife and you know, trying to figure out my wife for yeah. a year. I said, well, maybe you need five wives yes. for this process. You know, you need a different wife for this. Maybe you need a different wife for this side of what you're doing. Why don't you try five wives or maybe it's seven. <laughs> I don't know. But why don't you do that and get moving, you know? Don't worry about this. I, I, I That's a sense. I, I get a – I feel lighter just hearing that because <laughs> I feel like I think I have five wives. I probably have five purposes. And um, I feel – when I read all the stuff or hear what other people say, they're always like, you got to be laser focused. Do the, do the one thing. I mean I, I get that, uh, the importance of that. But at the same time, what you're saying kind of it complements it almost. It, it kind of gives gives you more clarity about about yourself. Uh, one one thing I, I was interested in getting your take on is the the champion mentality, the champion's life, uh, being in your greatness. It actually, in my experience, just just being getting to be with people who are like that. This is one thing that I find in common. I want to know what your take on it is. But loneliness, like not feeling like other people can relate to you because this this path is 
It's challenging. You're getting support from an entire team. You're setting high standards for yourselves. You're regimenting yourself. You're, you have all these structures about you know, how you eat, how you feel, um, what, what you do with your body and who you surround yourself with. And not, I mean, the majority of the population, you might not be able to have a conversation about that stuff, like feel like there's a context of relatability there. Do you find that with your clients that they feel a sense of loneliness? Like even I, I find people, they can't relate to their spouse sometimes or even their family with what they're doing whether it's just oh i want to start a business and no one in my family has ever been in business for themselves and no one gets it and they they're all trying to get me to to, to stay on this you know the, the the path of get a get good grades get a good job you know buy a house and all that stuff so what are your thoughts on that i think we we need clarity clarity is the most important thing and there needs to be a real conversation in, in my opinion everybody's situation is uniquely different that yeah. needs its own yeah. sensibility to look at the opportunities through. And only we have our own answers, but I think the first pass through life until you're 40, you don't have a lot of reference point for a lot of things. You may have emotion, you may have attended programs, you may have read books, but mm. it's not really an experiential base to reference things on. And I feel because of that, it's extremely important that um, we be around a variety of different things and get good counsel from those people that are and have done perhaps what we're aspiring to do that can give us some mm -hmm. insight into that. Uh, I think the most important thing is that we understand what our experience as a human will be uh, in the process of pursuing a, a goal or the aspirations that we have like in front of us. I do feel that um, at the top, uh, People can understand those below. The people below can't understand them. Mm -hmm. And you know, everybody thinks that the people at the top have got it mastered because they have their own businesses. They are uh, accomplished, but they don't understand the, the magnitude of challenge that's associated with that. If you look at high performers, their lives are a thousand times more complex than the average person. There's lots of moving parts. There's lots of risk. There's lots of volatility and things are happening like really quickly. And so uh, I think the key thing there is that to know that that's part of what it's like being there. And that's easy to deal yeah. with, know that it's coming, but most people don't know that this is coming and they're not really prepared for it. I mean, you could be, you know, 20 year old that's got a, a billion dollar company, but that doesn't mean that you understand life. And it doesn't give you a free pass or an exemption from uh, having to go through the lifespan development challenges that everybody has to go through. And I would say that many people aren't prepared for that because there's not been an ongoing conversation about what the life process is that, mm. that should expect moving into it. Um, you know, okay. I, like you look at Tiger Woods and his difficulties. I mean, I've spent time with Tiger and that, this was uh, quite some time ago, but only – to say that had he had a different level of conversation, he may have not made the choices that he did. But those conversations have to happen very early in life. There does need to be a mentorship left to our own devices. And if we only kind of follow our inclination and our impulses, then we can predict certain outcomes fairly accurately. So, so it's almost like what, I, what I'm hearing, and just correct me if I'm wrong, but there's a map. 
Like there is a map, there's a, yeah. there's a, there's a process here that's in place. So if you're going to choose this path to rise to your greatness, that's included, you know, needing to surround yourself with people who will show you what their map experience has been, what the process has been for them. Um, and, and also just realizing that some people won't get it. That's part of it. Well, it is. And you never know who, but there are early signs of who will and who won't. Mm -hmm. I mean, I can mm -hmm. see that very quickly in someone. I could tell where the blind spots are and I can get a sense of whether they have it within them to be able to find a way around them yeah. or yeah. fall into the pothole. And that's really life's X factor. Mm -hmm. But again, um, you can't make a racehorse out of a plow horse no matter what you do. And so I feel that um, that's not really criteria for a successful life either. I think that we need to have a serious conversation about what it is and we need to learn to stay in the game long enough to responsibly give yourself a chance. And we need to have the courage to step into um, methods that have proven themselves to deliver on something but to be responsible in, in how we engage and where we allocate our time and our confidence and our certainty in our future. I think it's a big deal. I think we, it is a big deal. Everybody needs guidance. Everybody needs the voice of sobriety. Everybody needs an honest conversation about these things. Um, because a lot of times what we think it is, isn't what it is at all, but we don't know that until we get there. Mm -hmm. That's why just for me, just a high level of conversation and engagement is, needs to happen. I, I think that it does. You know, no, in my opinion, you know, nobody has 30 years to make all the mistakes that people will predictably make if they just try to do it on their own. Yeah, you don't know if you it's, have the 30 years. Tomorrow, tomorrow's not even guaranteed. Yeah. So when you uh, when you speak, what I get from you is this incredible sense of duty. Yeah, absolutely. And for a lot of people, including myself, I, I, I feel that there's, uh, there's a gift inside of me and I, I believe that I'm cultivating it and I'm sharing it. And sometimes that sense of duty feels so heavy. Like it feels like a burden and I, I'm almost afraid of getting dominated by it. And I have a feeling that there's people around that might be listening that might also relate to it like hey if i step into my greatness that's a huge responsibility and and becoming that powerful in my own skin like what's that going to be like it's almost it, it turns into this this other fear it's like not even just fear of like failing but feeling of okay what if i am great <laughs> that's what does that entail do you do you, do you well, see that in your clients and that, that's that's a human nature deal okay. here's my take <laughs> my take on this is this is that you know I have fear of success. I have fear of failure. Uh, I'm a procrastinator. Mm. All of those mean one thing to me is that you don't see the path forward because if you did see the path forward and it were explained appropriately with the right incremental milestones, mm. then it would disarm the fear. You know, you're overwhelmed and the burden is what you fabricated to be. <laughs> really based upon your uncertainty is Made what up. it is. <laughs> I mean, it, it truly, I mean, it, it really is. So the task of that is not the overwhelm. It's our lack of understanding and seeing a clear path forward. It's the ambiguity that we're, that we're being crushed under. And if that gets 
removed and clarified through clarification, then we start to breathe and get some oxygen in the lungs because now we see the path forward. I see almost everything universally comes down to, I don't see the path forward. I don't see what the milestones are. I don't see the moving parts. I don't know the pacing. It's very That's like a first principle approach. And because when, when I think of it, it's like, okay, it comes back to that whole clarity conversation that you, that you are bringing up and, and having that path in front of you and, and seeing how it's going to unfold. Like if it's like, Hey man, if you can see how this is actually going to unfold the incremental milestones, the steps, then all this, you know, fear of failure, fear of success, overwhelm, procrastination, all, all that stuff kind of, it doesn't have the same power. It doesn't, it doesn't, those are all singularly attached to one thing is our ambiguity about what the path is and our ability to connect with that. Uh And you should be able to, you should be able to prune it back close enough where all of a sudden the anxiety drops because you have visibility. Okay. I love that. Anxiety drops. Yeah. When there's no more ambiguity. That's right. Yeah. Anxiety drops. Yeah. Thank you. Well, that's kind of what I do for the people that I work with. You know, it's like, let's sort of, you know, prune it back to, visibility and let's decide not decide but let's identify and take action on those things that are necessary like right now and Mm. the things that aren't we're not there yet so don't even worry about it so how can we begin to remove ambiguity in our path what's what what are your suggestions or insights um a couple of things um i think if it's your first pass through life and let's say the first 40 years, you, you need to have some guidance. You need a Sherpa that'll show you how to climb Mount Everest. Mm. Because, you know, your first try, you want to make it count, but you don't want to fall off the mountain into the crevasse and the ravine where you never recover from. So you have know, a guide. You need to have a Sherpa. Huh. But And then ideally it should be a guide that understands life in its entirety, that which I call the corner man. You can have a technical expert that, that can show what pencil sharpener to use and you know what ink cartridge <laughs> and things like that, which is critical, but there needs to be someone that sees the overall picture and the overall scope of this that can share with you what your experience as a human is going to be going through this and what to expect based upon where you are. So you're yeah. ready for the uh, probable opportunities and you avoid the preventable problems that are fairly predictable based upon where you are in your process. I mean, that's the whole reason why I created my model, the goal achievement roadmap was to really show people that, um, you know, if I give you a treasure map that shows where you are and it shows you the treasure. And I also show you where the boogeyman is. The only thing missing is where are you on the map? Because if you don't know where you are, then you don't know whether the next step is towards the boogeyman or whether it's towards the treasure. And that's what people's apprehension is all about. They don't know where they are. Yeah. Can you expand on, can you expand on that? I think that's really, really important. People have the X marks the spot. This is where I'm heading and not always will they be clear on, Oh, this is actually where I stand, like where I'm at. They don't. That's exactly right. And a lot of this has to do with how they're approaching goal achievement. You know, goal setting is not goal achievement, but the way that they're approaching Mm. goal Mm. achievement is the standard mantra. It's like dream big, bigger the better, have a bunch of moonshots all lined up, and then we create detailed plans, and then we work harder. 
and then we stay positive, and then we don't give up, and uh, we try harder, and we may or we may not achieve our goals. And it's like that doesn't show you where you are because it only is a marker and the promise of working harder and wanting it bad enough are going to get you to where you want to go. Mm-hmm. And I know that, that, yeah, I mean, working hard is important and uh, plans are important. But if we don't know where we are in the plan, we don't have a personal GPS. Yes. It's like trying to drive a car somewhere without a GPS. It's like, well, where the hell am I? You know, I, I know I'm driving from L.A. to San Francisco, but where am I? I have no idea. Yeah, it's, and, like, it's like a GPS with a destination without the GPS knowing where your car is, like where you are. Oh, yeah, well, because – What's missing is you, yeah. you know, you need, you need two points on a GPS, right? And I, I see that as a big stumbling block because the problem with that is, is that if you don't have that, you only have a couple of variables to work with. Mm-hmm. When things don't go well, you just work harder, right? How do we get to where we are? How do we identify where that is? You mean where you are currently or your destination? Oh, where we are, where we are. Yeah. Oh, well, that's how I figured that out. My whole program, the Goal Achievement Roadmap, that's what it's all about. Tell us you about know, it. Uh, well, so I, I, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm an observer of life, and I've been in the high-performance world advising people in sports and business on stage, life itself, for the last you know, almost 40 years now. And so uh, what my observation was is that, in my experience, most people try to achieve goals by the classic gap model. This is me here. This is where I want to go. The space between me and where I want to go, we'll call that the gap. Mm-hmm. And I close the gap by trying harder, having more detailed plans, wanting it bad enough, and thinking positive and working hard, not giving up. And maybe I'll get there, maybe I won't. And that leads to goal frustration, which 85% of all people have. And mm-hmm. they can oftentimes spend a lot of time, effort, and money ending up virtually kind of going nowhere. And that's a model. And my discovery was is that um, there's another – system at play here and that system sits in the space between where we are and where we want to go. And there are two different divisions and each of those divisions has 10 steps and your goal is put into that 10 step process that shows you, first of all, how to prepare well to start pursuing your goal. And it shows you the process of initially active, actively pursuing your goal and what you will be going through to be able to achieve it. Mm-hmm. And you can identify where you are with extraordinary precision. And if you can locate where you are, then we know what to do. History tells us. And it also shows us what's coming because it's a progressive model. If you're in step four and it's progressive, well, you can kind of see what's coming in step six. Mm-hmm. So you're not really flying blind and it's just not a matter of trying harder. So that's really the experience, and that's the model. And the champion's golden rule is first you prepare, and then you perform. You do the homework, and the test is easy. Yeah. Most people don't do that. Most people just start and try to make it up, and they just feel that if I want it bad enough and I align and trust the universe, all the gaps will be filled in. And <laughs> that's not a good leverage point, and that's really uh, – different than the way prolific achievers actually really do it. I like the distinction between preparation and then the performance aspect. Right. 
champions gold, including both. Yeah. First you prepare, then you perform. You don't start until you're ready. So there's, there's a lot of people who, I mean, there's this glorification of the performance aspect and not, there's not enough, I think, uh, emphasis on the, how important preparation is like actually making that plan and, and identifying where you are and all of these important, important steps people miss. Cause they're just in the, I'm just going to go do it. Like, like you said, I'm just going to go improvise and hope and pray that the universe has my back and it's going to, it's just going to work out. And I think that the, what, what becomes glamorized is that overworking and the, and the burning out and just keep going, 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 like burn the candle at both ends. And I just, I, I don't think that works. Well, it doesn't, you, you put your relationships and your health at risk by doing that. And, and you also put your confidence and self at risk. Yeah. Because the way that it usually works is that when a person uh, approaches something through that lens or some model that teaches that you don't need to sleep, you just need to work harder, forget the sleep <laughs> stuff. Uh, eventually, nobody can, out- <laughs> nobody can outrun their blind spots. And then eventually what happens is that when they start to lose their way, then they feel like they're the problem and they're not capable of goal achievement where the reality is, is that the model and the myth that they followed led them astray, mm-hmm. but they've identified with that with them and they believe that the experts are right. Therefore something's wrong with me. I'm not capable of this. I quit. I can't trust myself any yeah. further. So there's, there's a huge risk that we learn not to trust ourselves when we are exposed to uh, myths that, sound good to our human nature, but history is not confirmed that they have ever delivered on a promise. Yeah. But a lot, a lot of people, including myself, sometimes I can't help it because I'm watching on social media and seeing people release the, their next podcast episode or write another book or make a new YouTube video or you know, achieve a milestone. And I, I think the human nature part of me is like noticing that and comparing myself to it. Of course. Yeah, absolutely right. But we don't, we don't see behind the scenes. I mean, a, a lot of people that are successful have no personal life. They have declining health or relationships are in the, in the toilet. Yeah. And yeah. If they're really honest about it. People know that they may be extraordinarily imbalanced. We don't see the whole story, but it does really uh, prey upon our uh, human nature side to discredit self as incapable. Mm. And I feel like that's a, a trespass. I think it's a violation of the human, of the most sacred of all human attributes, which is trust. Huh. Uh, there's yeah. a reality, then there's a, a myth that appeals to our human nature. And I feel like people need to understand the rules as history tells us. History doesn't lie, but our emotional appeal can be very seductive. And an impulse. Yeah, it is. It's faster than we could think. We got to have it. <laughs> That's incredible. And so, what kind of things would you recommend for for people who are, you know, they're, they're running in this race, and in a lot of ways, it's you know, it's, it's you against you, but you can't help but look beside you and to see other people going. And you, we have to always kind of remind ourselves, okay, it's just me and my path. But we are we're constantly looking at somebody somebody else's it's, path. But it's- it's more it's more than that it's you and your path but what is your path and do you understand your path yeah do you understand your experience as a human 
executing what it is that you're intending to do. So in, until all that's been clarified, then of course we only, our default is to compare ourselves against other people. But if I were to yeah. say to you, okay, so you want to be an Olympian. All right. So, you know, give yourself 15 years, you know, and it's going to take this, this, and this, and this, what do you think? You know, or let's say I want to bake a cake. Okay. So that's going to be 25 minutes. And so we'll prepare first and then we'll perform 25 minutes goal achieve. So really, I don't think there needs to be an ongoing conversation about the reality of our pursuit of our bigger future and left to our own devices. Human nature will win every time. Uh, we'll be eternally um, at the very best a one act wonder. Mm. We'll be impulse driven. We'll be frustrated and we'll only produce mediocrity because of trying to be too perfect and trying to, to keep up. I'm just saying is that the goals that we choose need to be done appropriately based upon our capacity to manifest them mm -hmm. at a certain point in time. And it's important that we learn the skill of goal achievement. Goal setting is not goal achievement. Yeah. Goal setting is what goal am I going to pursue? Goal achievement is achieving the goal. Two different things Doing entirely. It. And I feel like an important conversation, which is part of what I've dedicated my life to and part of the reason why I created the Goal Achievement Roadmap, is to say let's make sure that we look at this first so that we really understand what it is so that we can invest our time and effort appropriately and not set ourselves up for failure or put ourselves in the emotional hurt locker unnecessarily. Mm -hmm. you got to give yourself a chance to learn the skill of goal achievement. It may take a while to do that, but let's start with appropriate things so you learn the skill. Yeah. Not take on too much, too big, too quick. Yeah, and I think that's the key. Yeah, it, it's fear base of being left alone and being kicked out of the club. And I'd say that it should be done another way. In my opinion, it's like we should learn the skill first so we really understand it and reduce our exposure to failure by having the right appropriately sized and appropriate goals for us now with our skill set and our resources. Yeah. And let's work there to learn the skill. You know, let's not learn a bad golf swing and think that that's going to get us into the tournament by trying harder or rushing things, you know? So something that shows up for me is that sometimes I've done the goal achievement part and I've done it without like the cleanest, you know, planning. And sometimes I think to myself, wow, if I really knew ahead of time how much work it was going to take, I wonder if I would have done it. I think that that's fair. And there's ways of estimating that. And if you have a model that shows you where in the progression yeah. and you have a sense of that and you know the challenges early on, the early challenges should be vetted in the preparation before you even get started. So you have a sense of what, what the obstacles are going to be. Mm -hmm. But most people don't, most people don't do that. It's just a, a common sense way of preparing. So there are as few illusions as possible so that we start with as much knowledge of reality as we can. I didn't say practicality. I said reality. Yeah. Practicality is a problem. I'm not a big fan of it. And, but, you know, reality, I think it's really important to make sure that do you really have what it takes to do this now? Yes or no? Let's be real. Mm -hmm. 
And if you do, well, then it could be a good thing, assuming that all these other things check out. It's like in my model, my, my, my model will not let you make decisions that you're not ready to make because it will reveal your state of readiness. Yeah. Won't let you get ahead of yourself. You don't want to get ahead of yourself. Like not biting off too much, like more than you can chew. Like not being, like not being so overambitious, but, but being realistic. Like based on my readiness, based on my skill at this point, here's a, here's a, here's a clear milestone uh, achievable to take me to the next level of, of skill set, of mindset, of, of greatness. Yeah. yeah, I think that's, that's really the way it is. Because then once you've got that skill, which is what my program is all about, then that could be duplicated with increasingly higher levels of magnitude, you know, for the size of the goals that we're pursuing. And what kind of goals are the are your clients pursuing right now? What's what's give us an, a, a snapshot of what that looks like? I'm assuming it's it's probably very diverse. Yeah. So um, one person's uh, just you know his business is in transition. He's doing some new uh, uh, management uh, things that are being implemented. His business is 30 million, and so he's doing that. Another. When I'm helping uh, him um, work out uh, the sale of his business with his partner, it's 150 million. Wow! That's wow. What the business is. Um, so I'm helping them as people move through that, so that the leverage is there to capitalize on the highest return possible. Um, I have uh, someone aspiring to be an Olympic gold medalist, which. Uh, mm. It's a wonderful conversation that we're having. So these are high aspirational people um, that I work with, you know, and I love what I'm doing and I'm really good at what I do. So it's a win-win for both of us. I, I love that. And and how have you found, because it sounds like there's like a universality in this, in this process, in this, in this map that you have, that you've, that you've uncovered, um, as it, as it applies to all these different industries, what, what kind of universalities have you found? Well, it, again, it's the individual particulars of business versus sports. Those are technical issues. The problems with us as people and where we are is exactly the same. So okay. the two steps, the two divisions, prepare and perform, are the same in business as it is in sport. The five steps in each of the divisions is exactly the same. Um, so, uh, again, um, the particulars are uh, unique, yeah. but it's not what makes the distinction. I love that. That makes sense. So the, the, the technical aspect is, okay, this is a business, this is art, this is sports, but in terms of the, the path, it's the, the human side of it, this is what we got to deal with. Ultimately, it is because it's more yeah. likely human side is going to take you out of the game from misinterpreting what it is mm. rather than a technical part of the business. But people think that if I just have more business techniques and tools, it'll be better. And I'm just saying it's probably that you're not you're not aware of these storm clouds gathering silently that are more likely going to take you out of the game. And let's just make sure we know where that is and we know what to do. I love it. That's position. You know, otherwise we set ourselves up for unnecessary heartache. Well, well, Jeff, I, I appreciate just how clear and precise 
uh, your wisdom is. And, and based on what you're saying, I feel like I, I guess I have eight more years till I pass at 40 marks so I can have some, <laughs> some wisdom of my own. Uh, just, I'm just kidding about that, but essentially I, to have you on and for you to share, um, you know, out of all the years and all the different types of realms that you've, you've existed in and you've performed in and supported people in, it sounds like from what you say, this needs to be listened to multiple times, like over and over again, because there's such simple yet profound and powerful insights in what you have to say. Well, thank you. And, uh, I'm just going to encourage people to go to my website, www.drjeffspencer.com, D-R-J-E-F-F-S-P-E-N-C-E-R. Check it out. Uh, if for nothing more, just the artistry of it. And, uh, uh, download the free white paper that I created, How Not to Blow It, Just Before You Win. I love um, that one. See people do it all the time. They get just close to big breakthrough and all, they screw it up. And I want to make sure you don't do that. So please I've done it. <laughs> go on there and get the white paper. Spare yourself a lot of pain. Um, and we'd love to have you attend a workshop or just please, uh, if you go and you get the white paper, you'll be on my list and I'll keep you abreast of everything that's happening in my world. Such an honor, Jeff. Thank you so much for sharing. And I acknowledge you just for your presence and your generosity and uh, and your kindness to, to, to open up to me in, on that bus ride and to have made the connection and, and help make this happen. Perfect. Well, it's my pleasure. And just everybody remember, there's always room at the top of the best. And there's only one of you in all the creation. So uh, make sure that you pace yourself well and that you keep your dreams appropriately big and you have a sensible plan to progressively achieve them. And that's how great uh, lives and great legacies are created. So thanks again for the privilege. I appreciate it a lot. Hey guys, hope you enjoyed the episode. Make sure to go check out drjeffspencer.com. He has a beautiful website, a lot of information there for you to digest as well. Sign up for his newsletter, a great newsletter. I make sure I open that thing every time it's sent. There's about two to three emails every single week. So many great insights and metaphors that you can you know, take along with you throughout the day as a source of energy, inspiration, and wisdom. And uh, as well, if you got a lot of value from this episode, make sure to go and send it to somebody that you care about that you think might get value from it or even... Go ahead and share it on your social media. That is the best way to spread the word about his work and about this show. I hope to see you all soon. Thank you so much for tuning in.